Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Horror, Wine, and Crime. HWC coming right at you. HWC, place to be. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> if you guys didn't know, we're rappers now. Um. <laughs> oh my god, no. I would be like pretty fly for a white girl. Like, <laughs> That's good. I asked, for, I asked for a 13 and I got a 31. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do, I don't think I would succeed in that field. Um, because anytime I try to like not that I do this a lot, but like anytime I try to like freestyle, it just goes horribly wrong. <laughs> I don't know, guys. You've never seen her in the car. She's keeping up with that Cardi B and negative stallion. Well, I can do it. I can do it when there's like already pre-established lyrics you know but when it's like me having to come up with them then I tap out I tap out my brain's not that quick <laughs> I have to bow down in respect to the rappers out there because <laughs> my I do not have the the master of the pen <laughs> um but who does kind of have the master of the pen is shout out to Dax maybe not rapping but you know writing <laughs> writing scripts um i've heard him do a little freestyle a little some something or another and i bet you that something i feel like he'd, he'd do good you know on their um anonymous show i'm pretty sure he like freestyled that song that they do at the end oh yeah <laughs> and that's not bad it wasn't bad <laughs> and when Gwen stefani was on there he was singing for her oh yeah he sang a few times for her he's got it in yeah, he does. Um, well, before we get into today's story, which is kind of like a mysterious-ish story, I would say, kind of uh, leaves a little bit of questions. Um, little fishy, 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 fishies. Little fishy, 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 fishy. So we got to, you know, drink up to be prepared. So do you want to tell the peeps what we're drinking, Lo? No, I don't. They They have to go on our our Instagram and look at what we drank, okay? (laughs) Tonight, we are drinking um, just a traditional little barefoot pink Moscato. Um, I actually got this gallon of it. It's a big one, dude. It's a big (laughs) one, guys. Um, For my birthday a while back, and... Um, we're just not getting to it. I still have wines from the old house that we're finding. Um, so an endless supply of wines. I love it. Like that's a good, that's a good supply to have. <laughs> it is. I went into the, we call it the fifth room, but it's like a spare room. And I'm like, oh, um, these are whiskeys. This is Pete and KK doesn't do peach right now. Okay. I was like, Forever. let's go upstairs and see what I have in my office. And literally I had like four bottles of wine in there. So I'm like, this will work. You're like, oh, we're stocked. We're good. We're good to go. So, but this is actually from Emily. So thank you, Emily. Shout out. Thank you very much. That one's a uh, close. Old friend, buddy, pal, old neighbor. From the Waterford Street. From the Waterford Streets. <laughs> From the old house, old house neighbor. Well, that one is definitely a classic. 
I don't think I'll ever get sick of the barefoot pink Moscato. Barefoot's so, it's not even underrated. I was going to say underrated, but like people love it. But it's just so good because it's like cheap, but like I'm never disappointed with them. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're just, uh, they're rock solid. So shout out to you, Barefoot. <laughs> And so now Kay is going to entertain us with a story. Hopefully I will entertain you. <laughs> um, but yeah, today we're talking about the death of Rebecca Zahau. Um, so like I said, it was it's kind of like mm, a little mysterious. Um, and a few things, a few tragic things happened throughout this story, but um we shall jump right into it. So Rebecca Zahau, she was born March 15th, 1979. Um, She was of Burmese immigrant origin, and she was born in Phalam, Chin State, um, which is a town in the Chin Hills in northwestern Burma. Um, And she had a father named Kahau Hanin Thang and mother Zoom Teen Par. So hopefully I pronounced those correctly. After living in Nepal and Germany, Rebecca moved to the United States about 10 years before her passing. So she came from a family of Chin ethnicity and was raised as a Protestant. Her parents and most family members live in St. Joseph, Missouri currently, Um, And she had an older sister, Mary, and a younger sister, Snohem, who lives in Germany. Um, And then she did have an even younger sister who was in her teenage years named Zena. Um, And she actually had other siblings as well, but those were the only ones I could really find online that were listed. In August of 2009, Rebecca was arrested for shoplifting after stealing $1,000 worth of jewelry from a Macy's in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, She did end up pleading guilty to that. Um, I think it's funny that she stole jewelry because it's like $1,000 worth of jewelry from Macy's. That's like, I feel like that's like a lot of jewelry. Because does Macy's like sell nice jewelry, like really expensive? They can. I'm they sure. can. Like they used to have like the glass counters, like where all the perfumes are that have the jewelry. Okay. I guess like it's, yeah, I never really go jewelry shopping. So <laughs> I guess I wouldn't know. Yeah. Because Macy's still carries a lot of neighbor and stuff. Yeah, that's true. Next time I go into Macy's, I'm going to like go look at their, I'm going to go check out their jewelry counter. <laughs> You guys gotta forget Crystal's still a young man, so she doesn't probably even remember that it used to be Hudson's and then it was Macy's and then it was or is it Macy's now? Macy's is, I don't know. I didn't I didn't even know it was a thing before. It was, I was Hud, yeah, it was Hudson's. What was after Hudson's? I thought it was always Macy's. Oh. She's a name jumper. Yeah, they changed it a couple Bloomingdale's? Times. Or is that separate? No, that's that's, a that's different. <laughs> okay. That's like big time New York. Well, I know Kroger used to be Farmer Jack. <laughs> it was? Yeah. 
I know Fermajax went out, but I thought Fermajax was Fermajax. No, I'm pretty sure it turned into Kroger. Maybe I'm so wrong. Maybe like Kroger just went in the same building near my house. That Farmer Marshall Fields. It was Macy's. I mean, it was Hudson's and then Marshall Fields. And now it's Macy's. Okay. <laughs> now that I got that in my system and we totally derailed from the story, then people are getting pissed off. So please continue. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we sorted it out, though. <laughs> um. So in 2002, Rebecca married a 36-year-old nursing student named Neil Nalipa. Um, he lived in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, they ended up divorcing, though, in February of 2011. So Rebecca worked as an ophthalmic technician. Um, she did quit, though, in December of 2010. So while Rebecca was still married to Neil um, in 2008, she actually began dating a man named Jonah Shacknai, who was the CEO of Medesis Pharmaceutical. His position at the company made him the ninth highest paid CEO in Arizona, earning $6.4 million in 2010. Um, he had had two previous marriages, and his first marriage was to Kimberly James, which resulted in a divorce and a three-year custody over the fight of their two children. Um, he had a son, Maxfield Aaron, but everybody just called him Max, um, who was born in 2005 with his second wife, Dina Romano. So I'm not sure if Neil and Rebecca were separated at this point and then she started dating Jonah or if she was cheating on him I'm not quite sure because they were still married for two more years before they ended up getting divorced I'm thinking that they were separated so flash forward to 2011 Rebecca and Jonah are now together they've been together for like three years um, and on July 11th of 2011 Rebecca Max, so Jonah's son, and Rebecca's teenage sister, Zena, were at the Sprickles Mansion in Coronado, California. Um, now, the Sprickles Mansion is Jonah's house. He owns it. It's like a giant mansion, um, and he uses it as a summer estate. Um, so this day, you know, Zena's sister came in from out of town, and it was just her Rebecca and Max um, and they were all just like staying and hanging out at the mansion I think that Jonah was out for work or something um, so he was not there at some point during the day Max fell face first over a second floor banister suffering injuries to his spinal cord and facial bones and it was not good. He ended up taking down the chandelier with him, which that didn't really fall on top of him, but it came down with him as well. Um, and he had a lot of issues from that. And it, it even affected his heart rate and his breathing. When police asked Rebecca, you know, what happened, she said that she was in the bathroom at the time and she found Max moments later laying down, obviously, very high up. I mean, this was a huge mansion. So like 
him a small child falling from like the second story banister is like a huge drop. So she had seen him, ran down to him, called 911. He wasn't breathing. He was unresponsive. And he was taken to Rady Children's Hospital in San Diego. Now, sadly, he did die a few days later on July 16th due to brain damage caused by oxygen deprivation that resulted from his injuries. Um, So, yeah, it was a very weird situation because they don't know exactly what happened. You know, Rebecca said that she was in the bathroom and Zena said that she was in the other room. Um, However, Rebecca did say that Max was kind of under his breath saying the dog's name. So she didn't know if like the dog pushed him off or what had happened. He also had one of those Razor scooters. If you guys know what I'm talking about, the, you know, the little metal Razor scooters that you could like race outside. He had one of those and they also didn't know if he tried to like go down the railing on it like while he was riding his scooter and then he obviously fell. So yeah, on July 26, investigators ruled Max's death as an accident um, and they just kind of were speculating that he had somehow tripped. However, a trauma doctor who examined Max prior to his death while he was in the hospital um, and then again on his autopsy, he stated to police that he did not believe the injuries from his fall were consistent with the cardiac arrest and brain swelling experienced by him. Um, So this guy was kind of basically suggesting that Max may had suffocated before he fell, like, you know side-eye winking that maybe someone was like choking him or covered his face up and he couldn't breathe um and then had him drop from the banister to make it look like he just fell now on july 12th rebecca dropped off Zena at the airport for her flight back to missouri and then she had picked up jonah's brother adam who had just arrived on a flight from Memphis, Tennessee. Um, You know, all of this was going on, so family was coming in. Now, Rebecca, Jonah, and Adam ate dinner with a friend named Howard that evening. And Rebecca and Adam returned to the Spreckles mansion while Jonah reportedly kept a vigil at Max's bedside with um, with Max's mother, Dina, And he would leave the hospital to kind of recuperate at a nearby Ronald McDonald house. And there were reports of loud music coming from the Spreckles mansion later that night. So it was just Rebecca and Adam at this mansion at this, like the entire night. It was just those two. Now, Adam was staying in like a back guest house. So he was in a completely separate area. Um, And, you know, nothing, they weren't fighting prior to or like nothing crazy happened. You know, they just had gone back to the mansion um, and then went their separate ways. And she went to her room and he went back to like the guest house or whatever. Now, the next morning, 
July 13th at roughly 6.45 in the morning, Adam stated that he found Rebecca's nude body hanging from a balcony with her wrists and ankles bound and her hands behind her back. He called 911 at 6.48 a.m., then sent a text message to his brother, Jonah, to inform him of the news. He cut down Rebecca's body before the police arrived. Medics attempted to revive her, but pronounced her dead at the scene. And police initiated forensic and toxicology testing on her body as part of an autopsy to determine the cause of her death. Now, speculations of foul play began early on in the case, obviously, because just the way she was tied up was super weird and, you know, they have to do the investigating anyways. But investigators weren't able to find any other DNA at the scene besides Rebecca's. So, like, Adam's DNA wasn't even there. Now, on September 2nd, the San Diego County Sheriff's Department formally formally announced their finding that Rebecca committed suicide. Her autopsy results revealed four instances of head trauma, about which investigators and outside commentators expressed various theories. And San Diego medical examiner Jonathan Lucas stated that because there was evidence that she went over the balcony in a non-vertical position, she may have struck her head on the balcony on the way down. But she bound her hands and legs herself too? That's what's weird. (laughs) A lot of people were like not believing that this was a suicide at all because of yeah, her the way that her arms and legs were tied up. And then also the fact that she was naked. Like, why would she... Why would she commit suicide naked? You know? Like, that's just very weird. And isn't it, like, most women that commit suicide, in theory, that... Uh, quotes. <laughs> they usually do it, like, clean and peacefully, like, um they'll just take some pills and go to bed or they'll take a hot bath and you know whatever like more times than not they kind of keep it nice and tidy they don't and I don't think she would commit suicide naked and bound for the world to find her like that right it's just it's weird like it's one thing like you know people were kind of saying suicide because you know, her boyfriend's son, who she was watching, had just died like days before on her watch. So people were like, she couldn't take the guilt. Other people were saying maybe she killed him on accident and didn't want anybody to know and felt so guilty about it. So then she decided to kill herself, Um, which, you know, in theory, those those make sense if that's the case but the way that she was found just makes it very very odd especially the fact that she had like four blows to her head um and there wasn't really much around the balcony that she could have hit her head on um so it makes me kind of think at this point like someone hit her in the head and then she died and then they tied her up and 
made it try to appear like a suicide. So Werner Spitz, who was an expert witness, testified during the trial of Casey Anthony. He said that it was a possibility stating when the body first dropped, she doesn't necessarily jump to her death. So she would drop directly downward and could easily hit against the side of the structure from which she is hanging. However, he noted that to draw stronger conclusions, he would have preferred to see, you know, what the body looked like before the wrists, like the bindings of the wrists were removed. He like said that they should have taken better, you know, pictures and stuff like that before she was like completely untied. Now, forensic consultant Dr. Maurice Goodwin expressed doubt, stating the chances of bumping into the railing going over the balcony and hitting your head four times is highly unlikely. So a second autopsy was done on Rebecca's body, and it was conducted by pathologist Dr. Kyrol Wecht at her family's request um, because her family did not think that she committed suicide at all. There was like so many doubts in their head. They're like, no way, There's this is foul play. Um, so this doctor testified that he believed fractures in Rebecca's throat were caused by manual strangulation, not by suicidal hanging. He further stated that he thought Rebecca's death was a homicide. Um, an attorney for Rebecca's family stated that other inaccuracies were found with the sheriff's department investigation, including evidence that indicated that Rebecca was sexually assaulted before her death. They also had found, um, so like the balcony was really dusty or and like dirty, um, which her feet were really dirty when she was found. So that matched up to the balcony. But they did find a footprint, like a shoe footprint. But um, investigators were saying that, oh, it's just a police shoe print. They're just police shoe prints. Um, But a lot of people were kind of iffy on that, thinking like, no, I think that this is somebody else's footprint who was there with her. Family members expressed their suspicions for why Rebecca's hands and feet were bound. San Diego Sheriff Roy Frank stated there are documentations of incidents throughout the country where people have secured their feet and hands as well to commit suicide to prevent themselves from changing their minds, which I've never heard of that. Um, I don't necessarily know that that's super common, Um, but yeah very weird kind of thing for I just feel like to tie your own hands and I feel like that would be hard to do like what do you tie first you know what I mean yeah that's what I was kind of questioning how she did it herself yeah I feel like that would take a lot of like effort and I feel like if you're in the moment you're probably I don't know I feel like you're probably not being that strategic with it And then at the same time, jump over balcony. Right, exactly. Naked, like, (laughs) yeah, it doesn't make sense. 
So police reenacted the scenario in an effort to determine whether it would have been possible for Rebecca to bind herself in that fashion. Um, And they showed a video demonstration in which a woman wrapped a rope around her hands several times in front of her, slipped one hand out of the binding, then placed her hands behind her back, rebound them, and tightened the bindings with the aid of a string uh, similar to the one which police found in Rebecca's hands. So, like, they reenacted it, but again... It took this woman who was in a very calm state of mind just trying to react, reenact this. Like she had to do extra things and like struggle with doing it. So it's just like kind of uh, hard to believe. I wonder if she got naked when she did it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how policy <laughs> would feel about that. Oh, you didn't research that part, huh? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, another thing that was kind of creepy honestly like a message had been painted on the door of the room leading to the balcony below where police found Rebecca's body Um, according to Rebecca's ex-husband it read quote she saved him can he save her isn't that creepy I don't and to this day nobody knows what that means. Um, Officials initially declined to confirm this. Um, In media comments, Sheriff Gore only stated that it was not a clear suicide note. Because it wasn't a suicide note? (laughs) Right. Like, what is that? It's so cryptic. She saved him. Can he save her? Very odd. I don't know. These people need to watch a little bit more criminal minds. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, however, investigators took it even further, like evidence of suicide. Rebecca liked to paint as a hobby and had signed her paintings in the past. Her siblings contended that the message did not match her handwriting at all. Um, and Jonah also stated that the note did not appear to be something that Rebecca would have written. So nobody in her life thought that she was the one who wrote this, not only because it was a weird cryptic message, but also it didn't match like her handwriting. Police then served Verizon and AT&T with search warrants to obtain cell phone billing records and they took Rebecca's Samsung Focus cell phone as evidence. According to AT&T records, from roughly 8 p.m. until 10 p.m., Rebecca talked and texted with her older sister, Mary, who confirmed that Zena had arrived home safely. At 10.48 p.m., Rebecca received a text from Nina Romano, who was the twin sister of Jonah's ex-wife, who wanted to stop by the house and talk about Max's accident. And Rebecca did not reply to that message. So that's very weird, too. You know, this has me thinking, too, like, is the ex and her sister, like, feeling revengeful and mad because, you know, her son just died on Rebecca's watch? Yeah, so, I mean, that could be, yeah. And it's weird that she texted her asking 
or saying she wanted to stop by and then Rebecca never even answered and then she was like dead the next morning oh, hang on one second we got a caller hello Hello. Hi. Are you recording? We are. We are on the show. Uh, congratulations to me. <laughs> hey, caller, what's your name and where are you going from? <laughs> <laughs> where are you right now? Uh, home current time. There we are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll finish my private call. Nice. <laughs> Um, police looked further into the phone records and they said that Rebecca checked her voicemail a few hours later at 12.50 a.m. and listened to a message. Um, now, billing records don't show who left that message. Police stated that it was a message regarding the worsening of, Max con- of Max's condition, um, but to... But like they declined to confirm at that time who even left the message, which is kind of odd that they wouldn't like say who the message was from. Um, Mary stated that police told her that it was from Jonah. Um, the message was deleted, meaning that police and Rebecca's family never heard the contents of the message. So I don't know if it was like a threatening message or just like an informational message or whatever, I guess that kind of remains a mystery as well. Could be a big key to the puzzle, though. I know, right? I'm like, there's got to be a way to, like, recover old voicemails, right? You would think, but maybe not. Well, I'm sure I could figure it out. It's just a matter of... Digging deeper and getting... That, a- and did her lawyers have it, like, cease and desist or, like... Right. Like, not standing stop. But, like, maybe they haven't, like... Like, to get a warrant? Yeah, or, like, they just kind of, like... It was a private... You know, kind of just burying it, hiding it, like... Mm -hmm. So, um, investigators initially did not attempt to power up or operate the cell phone at all. They kind of feared that they might overwrite evidence contained in its memory. So instead, they tried to determine whether forensic software was available, which would allow them to examine the model of that phone, which that's a lot of tech talk for me. So that kind of confuses me. I don't get why they wouldn't just look through her phone, but I don't know. I guess they felt like that was going to be like contaminating it or something. I don't know. But on August 15th, unable to identify any such technology, a detective ultimately then turned on the phone and conducted a manual search of it, finding that the voicemail message was not stored on the phone. And they didn't request that AT&T try to retrieve the deleted message from its servers. Um, Later on, September 21st, an investigator announced that they would be using, quote, new technology to copy the phone's data for further investigation. In early October, investigators completed their second examination of the phone, stating that they did not uncover any additional information and would soon return it back to Rebecca's family. Um, Now, Rebecca and Max's deaths 
drew intense public and media scrutiny um, in July on the 14th of 2011. Jonah's company that he was a CEO for, Medesis, had its sharpest one-day decline in stock price since February. News of the investigations received international coverage in various countries, including Brazil, New Zealand, Finland, Spain, and the UK, um, all throughout July and August. In early September, Various Forbes writers, including true crime writer Kathy Scott and lawyer Victoria Pynchon, they expressed doubts about the investigators' conclusions. Um, Pynchon described the ruling as, quote, an embarrassing public blunder. The Daily Beast published a column by trial lawyer Roy Black in which he criticized half-baked theories about Rebecca's death, in particular stating the lack of DNA evidence. He says, how could anyone do all this without leaving behind any ounce of a microscopic evidence? They would have to have been wearing a full rubber suit or some type of spacesuit and levitated over the scene. He called on to the media and public to stop calling it murder. So he really thought that it was suicide because he's like, where's the, where's the evidence? Where's the DNA evidence? On September 19th, 2011, it was reported that local Coronado author Kathleen McKenna would be writing a book all about this case. Um, she expressed doubts that Rebecca's death was a suicide. And family members and people close to Rebecca also expressed a lot of doubt that her death was a suicide. Her younger sister, Snowim, insisted that Becky, she called her Becky, did not commit suicide. My sister was murdered. Her former trainer also stated that she was always so happy and always smiling when she came in. I didn't see a problem or anything like that. Her family members disputed police characterizations of Rebecca as depressed, describing her instead as a happy person. Furthermore, they stated that Rebecca believed as a Christian that suicide was wrong. Um, after the suicide ruling, Jonah was quoted as stating, I would not believe Rebecca would commit suicide. It's out of character. So nobody... Nobody in her life believed that this was the case of a suicide. Um, and they were fighting to keep the investigation going to prove that she didn't kill herself. However, Sheriff Gore, who investigated the death, stated of the family's reluctance to accept the suicide ruling. He says, we laid out the case extensively to them in Missouri to answer their questions, and it's unfortunate Rebecca's sister cannot accept the results. So basically, he was saying we went over everything that we investigated, and ultimately, we're not finding any evidence or any type of clues that this would suggest anything other than suicide, but her family you know, just didn't believe it and didn't want to believe it. So they kept fighting. 
On September 7th, the family launched the website justiceforrebecca.org, seeking donations to fund their own investigation into her death. The site states, it was obvious that the sheriff's department had worked too hard to paint this picture of suicide and they were not about to let these Zahaos ruin it. In late September, they continued to demand that the case be reopened. Now, on September 20th of that year, Jonah wrote a letter to California Attorney General Kamala Harris, our now vice president, um, <laughs> requesting a state review <laughs> requesting a state review of the investigation. He himself did not doubt the findings of the investigation, but he said that he hoped a review would bring confidence, comfort, and resolution to others close to Rebecca. So at first he was kind of saying, like, I don't believe that she would have committed suicide at all. But I think after time had passed, he was like kind of more accepting of that possibly being the reason for her death. And he just wanted to bring clarity to her family as well. However, Chief Assistant Attorney General Dane Gillette replied the following day, stating that we must decline your invitation to review this investigation at this time. On September 30th, family members appeared on NBC's Today and called for an independent investigation by the state attorney general's office. Her family hired Seattle attorney Ann Bremer, who derided the medical examiner's conclusions and stated that this would be the first case in the history of the world that a woman killed herself like this. It's ridiculous on the face of it. Dan K. Webb of Winston and Strawn, um, who was a lawyer for Jonah, alleges that other statements of Bremner's imply that Jonah used his wealth and profile to improperly influence the investigation. So a lot of people thought, so, you know, Jonah was very rich. He owned that huge mansion that he just used for like a summer home. And he was the CEO of this big company. A lot of people who didn't believe that it was a suicide thought that Jonah tried to kind of not cover it up like because nobody really thought nobody thought that Jonah did it but they thought that he kind of just threw his money towards the police to just kind of like die down the story like he didn't want it to be like this whole investigation thing where they were like looking into it and continuing to talk about it like he just kind of wanted it to like slowly go away if that makes sense um he sent a cease and desist letter to bremner warning her that certain statements of hers constituted defamation as well as being highly insensitive on a human level and contributing to the harsh and unkind glare of a national media frenzy However, Jim Edwards of BNET suggested that it was unlikely that Jonah would actually sue as it would simply bring more publicity to the case. Um, and he expected that the situation effectively leaves the Zahao family to continue their claims unchallenged. 
So Jonah hired public relations firm Zurich and company to represent him the week after Rebecca's death in response to media inquiries. A Zurich and company employee stated that he had hired the firm to handle his large volume of incoming calls in the days after the deaths to give him time to grieve and make arrangements for the funeral. The law firm executives later held discussions with journalists whom they believed had made errors in their reporting on the case. So her family, Rebecca's family, believed that Adam and Max's mom and aunt all had something to do with Rebecca's death. Now, a weird thing about Adam, he worked um, he worked on like boats and ships and stuff like that. And I guess the way that she was tied, like the knots that were tied around her were like similar to the type of knots that people who work on boats do, if that makes sense. Yes. Um, and I don't know the exact terminology for like the different types of knots or whatever, but you know, it's just people were saying it's kind of unlikely that she would tie the knots in the way that she did. Um, so people were saying it was suspicious because obviously Adam was the only one at the Sparkles Mansion with her that night. Um, he also had stated he had taken Ambien, I believe, before he went to sleep, which he says just knocked him out um, the night that Rebecca you know, had died. So a lot of people also were thinking, you know, did he, was he the one who did this? You know, he had looked up a specific type of porn also, bondage. And um, I believe it was like with Asian women, um, which Rebecca was you know, of that descent. So, and he admitted to watching that porn that same day. So it was just very weird that he had looked that up and then here she is naked, tied up in a way that he knows how to tie knots, you know, and is dead. So her family like truly believed that he had something to do with it. They also sued like I said, Max's mom and his aunt, um, because, you know, she had said that she was going to stop by. Um, and I think the situation was kind of tense between all of them with Max being in the hospital and then ultimately passing. Um, however, they both had an alibi, Max's mom and his aunt, so they were cleared. Um, but Adam was obviously at the house now in 2018 jurors on the panel in the wrongful death suit against adam found him responsible in the death of rebecca and they ultimately awarded the zahau family in five million dollars so it's still technically unsolved they don't know what happened he wasn't like 
charged with murder or anything like that. So it's still an unsolved case. Um, but they did get $5 million from him for their wrongful death suit against him. Um, I don't know legal-wise how those two things kind of line up. Um, but yeah, and a lot of people thought that you know, Adam was Jonah's brother, so they thought that Jonah was throwing his money at the police to cover it up because he didn't want his brother to be caught or whatever. But for me, I I really kind of think that Adam did this because all the things are just too weird that there was a shoe print the um, type of knots that she had tied around her, the fact that she was naked, the fact that he was just looking up this bondage porn with women of the same like ethnicity as her. Like it's just very, it's just all too weird to me. And yeah, they're my... not going to find, sorry. No, they're go. Just saying, like, so they're not find different DNA because if, he's been in and out of the mansion so yeah his dna is probably already in there and he didn't like stab her or shoot her so there's not gonna be a lot of blood dna it was a pass made her pass out or knocked her out somehow and then tied her up and hung her like Mm-hmm. so I mean he could have strangled her and then put the rope around it so it just looks like it's all you know what I mean right so I mean it was kind of a clean murder so to speak yeah yeah and a, to clean up. <laughs> I mean, yeah exactly like and a lot of people think that he went up there to try to I don't know I don't know if he thought that she would like get with him or if he had a plan of like sexually assaulting her um but she had those four hits to her head so maybe she was running and he like was hitting her on the head and then yeah tied her up and like made it look like a suicide I guess I don't know it's just very weird also his demeanor um on the 911 call and in different um court interviews and stuff like that very like unbothered like he didn't even though he was like saying that he was innocent and everything and he didn't have anything to do with it he didn't like show any remorse or like sadness at all that you know his brother's girlfriend died you know in this horrific way he found her like he just didn't seem very um affected by it and so he really wasn't helping his case out to not look guilty like you know it just made him look even worse to because he just seemed kind of like arrogant about it and like unbothered yeah because it wasn't a surprise that she was dead he knew she was dead so it's like right have that like you know like it was he probably had to practice being calm for a while or practice okay like he had a best laid plan yeah yeah exactly yeah so um i i don't know i my 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 money's on adam but you know allegedly (laughs) but i I just feel freaking bad for 
especially for his brother and her boyfriend Jonah because all in the same like freaking what week he loses his son and his girlfriend like that's really sad like two in a week can't imagine how traumatized he probably was from all of that but yeah um weird mysterious story it i've noticed there's a lot of stories out there kind of similar in the way that people who kill someone try to make it look like a suicide and i have to wonder like how many deaths out there that were ruled a suicide and people thought that they just killed themselves like what if they actually didn't and people just never know are you leading into something no i'm sorry i'm not oh because i'm just curious no it's actually like ding 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 because I was just talking about this on the phone earlier to my cousin, and it was kind of a lot is going around TikTok right now that Aaron Carter didn't kill himself. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought you were kind of like leading into that. Like, Dang, that missed opportunity. That would have been so gonna, smart of me. I was going to bring it up after you were, you know, we talked about the story. Like, what do you people think? Like, so I, I saw the Aaron Carter TikTok where he was talking about one of his brothers, I want to say raped somebody or did something, and that his family was coming after him and he was scared and the police were called and they found some kind of rope or something in his garage that wasn't his, something random. And when you were over, I went to the video and I'm like, all oh, those TikToks are deleted. Like, they're not there no more. Spishies. But as I was going through, like, my Snap News and TikToks and, like, so many people are saying, like, Aaron Carter didn't kill himself. Like, there's a conspiracy that somebody killed him. And, again, he was, quote, my fingers again that he died in the bathtub you know kind of like a Whitney Houston style but again if he was sober like because wasn't he told when he was like so many so long sober and clean and he had a new tv show and all this stuff but he was also an addict so how hard would it be for someone to spike his drink he passes out, throw him in the bathtub, and then pulls him underwater. Boom. He drowned. And there's something still out. I don't know how much, but I feel like whoever does his toxicology, toxicology, would say, like, okay, this drug, alcohol, or whatever is in the system. And you would think it'd have to be quite a bit because if he was an addict, his tolerance is probably oh yeah, pretty big. So especially over the years. So my thinking is if it was just like a little dab of whatever would knock him out, you'd think they'd be like, I don't know, I think there'd be a way to figure out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Um, but 
again, it wouldn't be that hard to drown somebody in the tub if they're passed out already. Right. Yeah. I just set up the scene like, you know, I don't know if it's true or not. I didn't follow Aaron Carter. Um, I am sad that he passed away, obviously, but I was not really a fan of his. Um, I was older when he kind of started to get his mm -hmm. yeah. career going. Because um, even Backstreet Boys came out even when I was a little bit older. And he came out after Backstreet Boys. Right. Yeah, um, he was... I liked him when I was way younger, um, but then once I became, like, even, like, 13, I kind of, I don't know if he fell off the scene or if I just, like, stopped following him or whatever, but probably when I was, like, 10 to 12 was, like, my main errors that I would follow him, but, yeah, after so that. I was, like, 21, 22. <laughs> <laughs> so I probably would have, at that time, that's when I was probably thinking, like, man, this is, like, one punk kid. Like, this yeah. is, he's throwing temper tantrums, like, on the Carter show, and, like, mm -hmm. I, so I probably saw he was, like, a spoiled celebrity baby, you know? Like, right, yeah. Issues, um, so I never really got into him. Um, I do feel bad, obviously, that he passed away, and I feel bad for his, you know, family and friends that are mourning for him. He was still a human. He was still a person. Right. Um, and didn't he just have a baby, too, like, not that long ago? Yeah, he did. It was a couple months, I think. But I know he was having baby mama drama, I think, with her. Okay. I can't remember. But, um, so there's a lot of things going around there, too. So feel free to email us your thoughts, inputs, Aaron Carter situation, and uh, we will talk about it and read your thoughts and let us know what you think because this is like another Epstein didn't kill himself Aaron Carter mm -hmm. didn't kill himself there's like, so many there's so many Marilyn Monroe did not kill herself Brittany Murphy did not kill herself mm -hmm. if we could go on there's like a freaking list yeah if you and if you guys know of any other celebrities with the similar um, passings, let us know those too, because we want to we want to research them. Because that's just it's weird, honestly. Yeah, something's going on. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to dive into the Brittany Murphy case. I think there's a um, daco about it that's coming out or came out. Or oh, movie. really? Ooh, I think so. Oh, that'd so be cool. I, watch. So many. I know. So many there's, there's always so many coming out too, but that would be one that I would really want to see. Yeah. Because I loved her. She was so, she was awesome. Yeah, I believe her mom did it. Her mom just wanted all the monies. Okay, wait, didn't her mom, I know we're like at the end of this, but didn't her mom start dating her husband or something after she died? Am I correct? No, she he died too. Okay, am I thinking of somebody else then? I mean, Some... maybe they were, but they, Brittany Murphy and him died of the same drug, same poison, or same. Okay, who... So people are thinking that Brittany Murphy killed her and him because if she would have just died, he would have got all her estate and everything. 
So they had to take him out too. So she okay. See, I was. Who am I thinking of then? Someone's mom. I'm gonna look this up. But somebody's mom started like dating their husband after they died, and it was a celebrity, and it was super freaking weird and sketchy. Maybe they were. It might have. I think it was circulating that maybe she killed off Brittany so those two could start a relationship together. Okay. Maybe. I know that, yeah, that, that would be definitely an interesting one. Um, but yeah, all these, all these unsolved mystery ones, um, I feel like they're sad, but they also make my head rattle because I'm just like, will they ever find out or will it just always be unsolved and there'll be like no clarity? But yeah, um, just sad story, uh, very suspicious. I personally don't think it was a suicide, but um, just sending thoughts and prayers to Rebecca's family. Um, hopefully they're getting some kind of, or they will get some kind of resolution or clarity at some point. Um, and oh, so that they somebody, can just. Maybe somebody that there's a story will speak up something yeah yeah honestly because i feel like that's just the worst when you just don't know what happened yeah i need that closure definitely well thank you guys for kicking it with us for another episode um we will talk to you next week with another one um and in between then, if you want to hit us up on any of the socials, chit chat with us about anything, any topics you're feeling, feel free, horror, wine, and crime on everything. <laughs> and all the socials. On all the socials. <laughs> but yeah, um, that is all for this episode. Well, thanks, Kay, for bringing us down another sad rabbit hole from the story sorry guys <laughs> it was a sad, sad one <laughs> sorry guys <laughs> uh, it's okay we kind of expect it i mean that's the whole point of this right right <laughs> maybe one day sad. maybe one day we'll shock you and we'll do like a fun one <laughs> we've done some fun ones though let's be honest so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I still the Dahlia de Bellato. Oh yeah, that one was fine. Nobody actually died. And my new favorite, good golly, Miss Dolly. Yes, honestly, she was a genius. <laughs> She's a bad bitch. She, she was. She was the bad bitch of her time. Yeah, she was. <laughs> if you guys don't know what. She, those are go back and listen we covered both of them those are great episodes honestly yes totally different decades but you know oh yeah iconic stories either way (laughs) well i am going to log off and get ready for bed because i have another amazing work day tomorrow that i got to get through 
so fun. One step closer to the weekend, right? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Saturday, I'm just going to like do nothing but like Netflix and catch up on all my things. Yes, have a chill, relaxing day. A Netflix, hashtag Netflix day. Netflix binge yeah, day. Husband started watching Lucifer and wants me to watch some of it with him. I'm like, well, I'm not going to start it like episode seven, season one with you. I'm like, yeah, you'll be confused. <laughs> kind of should have brought this to me when you started episode one. So, my sister used to love that show. I, I did hear it was really good. Yeah, my mom watched it, I guess, twice. She's watching it again. So we're doing the doctor together right now. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's a good one. It's not really a true crime, but it's a good hospital job. Right. But, yeah. So maybe we'll get some killer Sally in and we can talk about that. Yes. See what people think. See what our people think. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just saw that when I was looking at Netflix earlier. Maybe I'll watch that. Uh tonight tonight while i lay in bed Mm -hmm. i heard it was good dax talked about it too i don't remember which episode i listened to like dax all day long today at work um but he talked about it on one of his episodes so he liked it too gotcha i uh i haven't listened to it yet but i'm excited he talks to uncle jesse so i get that yes it was it was good it was good but it wasn't like as good as I wanted it to be, if I'm going to be completely honest. So probably not a lot of full house talk. No, they, a little bit. I mean, it, there wasn't like a lot of like tea spilled or anything, but they mentioned full house a lot. I don't know. I don't know what I was expecting. It was good, okay. but it wasn't I guess like. we'll talk after I listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. You'll tell us, update us with your thoughts on it. <laughs> I will. So, all right. Well, I got to go because I got to get my in the bed uh, yes ma'am school might suck i know let's just make them like all all friday and saturday nights just no more work okay let's just quit right. <laughs> sounds like a plan tell justin right now let him know from his cousin <laughs> let him know uh all right, guys. All right, we got left in a minute. So yeah. We go. <laughs> Stay creepy. All right, we got to go. Bye.